Hello, and welcome to Reditations. My name is Celeste Johnson, and in every episode of this podcast, I discuss something I've read and then turn it into a guided meditation. This week, I'm talking about Murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie. This is the first of her books that I've read, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, so I'm very excited to talk to you about it today. Before we dive in, I want to give you a little spoiler warning. Although I'm not going to tell you how the book ends, I will be describing the characters and some of the events in the book. So if you want to keep yourself totally unspoiled if you haven't read this book yet, then maybe save this episode until after you've read the book. Before we dive in, I want to take this moment to ask you if you're a listener who enjoys this podcast to take a moment to do a review of the podcast. I mentioned this at the end of every episode, but I wanted to bring it up here in the front of the episode this time in case you turn off the ends of the episodes perhaps or you haven't caught it. If you haven't left a review yet, it really helps other listeners discover the podcast and makes the podcast visible to people who might not otherwise see it. If you enjoy this show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on many of the other listening platforms that you may use for your podcasts. And of course, if you haven't subscribed yet, that's another great way to support the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. All right, back to the good stuff. Let's dive into this episode with a little bit of a summary of what happens in this book, Murder on the Orient Express. I'm not going to get too into detail here because I don't want to get too spoilery, but to generalize, this book is a murder mystery I'm not giving anything away when I tell you that somebody is murdered on the Orient Express. <gasps> Shocker, I know. Um, this book centers around Hercule Poirot, who is Agatha Christie's famed detective character. And he is so suave, so slick, and so good at what he does that he's just irresistible. I love him as a character, even though he's a bit fantastical because he's just so fun to read. The book spans the length of four days. Poirot is on the train headed back to France. Soon after the journey begins, he is approached by a man who asks to enlist Poirot's services, his detective services, because this man believes that his life is in danger. And sure enough, about a day later, if I'm recalling the timeline correctly, this man is found murdered on the train. Conveniently for the story, but inconveniently for the potential murderer or murderers, the train also gets stuck in a snowdrift about that time and is unable to move anywhere. So all of these passengers are stuck on this train together and the murderer or murderers presumed to be amongst them. So of course, when the staff on the train discover that this man has been murdered, they set to figuring out who the murderer is. And of course, central to that discovery is our favorite detective, Hercule Poirot. The investigation begins with Poirot interviewing all of the passengers on the train. Throughout this investigative process, we get to know the various characters and a little bit about their backstories. And it's very interesting as a reader, at least I found it very interesting, to try and put the pieces together as we hear the evidence of each passenger. It's very engaging, it's really fun, and I enjoyed the little puzzles of this book. 
that Christie lays out. At the end, of course, Mr. Poirot solves the case, and we, as readers, are left saying, of course, of course, even though uh, I dare say any average reader would not be able to put this solution together themselves. And that was something I really enjoyed about um, this book is, of course, the surprise reveal at the ending. Christie was known for her creative plot twists and her creative ways of ending her mystery novels when audiences were already pretty accustomed to certain tropes happening in these books. And of course, mystery novels have their cliches, but Christie did a really good job uh, during her time of reinventing uh, the tropes or overhauling them. She kind of broke out of them a little bit and did what she could to surprise readers. And that, I think, is one thing that's made her so popular is that she managed to be surprising even in a genre where that can be difficult because readers are so accustomed to old cliches. Christie manages to buck readers' expectations with her endings, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the role of expectations in this book. First, I want to talk about the expectations that Christie lays out for her readers when she describes each character. She relies a lot on stereotypes to construct her characters. And I thought it was really interesting how she drew on stereotypes that are already or were already so ingrained in her readers. She uses it almost as a shorthand and avoids writing too much into her characters. In fact, they're often quite two-dimensional because she just leans on these stereotypes to kind of inform how we read these characters. I don't want to say that these stereotypes are her beliefs, but I also want to acknowledge that she does it really frequently and um, with considerable detail and consistency. So she is kind of reinforcing these stereotypes just by virtue of using them so frequently and so heavily. I think we could kind of read it as a social criticism if we decided to, because it's almost comical how much the stereotypes the characters rely on stereotypes to understand each other. And I think that if we decided to, we could read that as a a commentary on how humans often interact with each other in real life. The characters in this book use stereotypes to talk about basically every other character in this book. For example, the head of the train, when discussing who he believes the murderer is, says, quote, it is a woman. Depend upon it, it was a woman. Only a woman would stab like that. Later, another important character on the train, Mr. Book, says of Italians, He is an Italian, and Italians use the knife, and they are great liars. I do not like Italians. I understand why Christie uses all of these stereotypes, I think. And this is my theory. She uses them to create order in the novel. She's using stereotypes because they are a way to neatly categorize people. They're a way to kind of tie them up into little packages and make things much neater and less messy. And for a book like this with such an intricate plot, 
I understand why she wants to make things neat and tidy. And stereotypes are often the way that we do that as humans. Stereotypes make things much simpler to put into equations, like the equation that she's trying to solve in this novel. P.D. James said, What the detective story is about is not murder, but the restoration of order. I thought that made so much sense. It helps me understand why Christy is so reliant on stereotypes in this book. There's something that we know. There's something that is easy to put into order because they are simplified and distilled. But unfortunately, she suggests that they are valid in one way by relying so heavily on these stereotypes. But on the other hand, we kind of have a contradiction here because another hallmark of Christie's books is that she sets up our expectations and then she does the old bait and switch and she gives us something that we weren't expecting. So she sets us up to expect certain people to behave certain ways based on the stereotypes she outlines. Often her characters do behave according to the stereotypes she sets up, but sometimes she sets us up to expect characters to behave like the stereotypes she lays out for them, and then she denies our expectations and gives us something else. So I feel like she's at once reinforcing these stereotypes, But on the other hand, she's also using our propensity to lean on stereotypes to fool us and surprise us when something does not turn out how we expected it to. This theme shows up not only in the content of her book, but also in the structure of the book itself. There are several moments within the book where Poirot acknowledges the tropes that we often find in detective stories. For example, he says, as he is discussing a piece of evidence, it is a common enough device in detective stories. And I thought that was a really clever little wink to the reader because it acknowledges that Christy knows what she's doing. She knows that she's writing these cliches By letting us know that she's in on it, she makes us think that she's going to do something different. And she does. This book was published in 1934. And at that time, readers had already grown accustomed to murder mystery books turning out a certain way. You read the book, you think about the suspects, it all comes together. But Christy kind of rebelled against that standard format a little bit. And she came up with several twist endings that hadn't really been done in this genre before. Murder on the Orient Express is one example of her twisty style, and it's one example of how she sets us up for certain expectations and then does something different. On a formal level, I think she's kind of echoing this issue that is such a theme in the content of the book. She's echoing how reliant we are on stereotypes and expectations and tropes, and then she's turning them on their heads sometimes. She makes an effort to consciously get away from murder mystery stereotypes and tropes in order to subvert the expectations of the reader. And I think that's one of the things that makes this book delightful. 
As I was thinking about how to structure this episode around this book, I really wanted to talk about the theme of expectations. Today's meditation will also be structured around the theme of expectations. How expectations influence the way we perceive our lives and those around us, and our reactions to what happens in life. So with that in mind, get settled and let's meditate. As always, find a comfortable place to settle in and let's take a few deep breaths together to get started. We're going to begin today by just taking stock of where you are in your body right now. So if you're comfortable with it, close your eyes. And we'll start by scanning from the top of your head, slowly down your body. Just checking in with how you're feeling and what sensations are happening in your body right now. Begin at the top of your head still breathing deeply and notice what you perceive try to get away from what you expect to find and tune in to what is actually there right now in this moment slowly bring your attention from the top of your head down to your ears and your face And again, be present with exactly what is happening right here in your body right now. Let go of any expectations for how your body should feel or will feel. And allow yourself to simply be present with how it does feel in this moment. Keep breathing deeply. With every breath, let go a little more. Move your attention down to your throat and your jaw, where we may often hold tension. And notice what you feel here in this moment. Let go of any expectations of how it should feel and simply greet yourself as you feel right now. If you feel that you're holding tension in your jaw or your throat, you have full permission to let it out. That means you can look a little silly, open your jaw, move it around, do what you need to to let some of that tension go. If you're holding tension in your throat, maybe... Take this moment to let it out. Make a sound or let out a deep sigh. Do whatever you need to to release this tension without expectations of how it should look when you do. Let your body lead the way. Move down and bring your attention to your chest and shoulders. 
Again, notice if you're holding any tension here. Let go of any expectations of how you should feel. And be present with how you feel in this moment. Again, if you notice any tension, you can let it go now. You can move your shoulders around to release that tension. You can take a big deep breath and let it out to release anything you may be holding in your chest. Do whatever your body tells you you need to do and release any expectations otherwise. Keep breathing and move your attention down to your gut and your stomach now. Notice any sensations here. If you'd like, you can even put a hand on your belly and feel it rise and fall with each deep breath. Release any tension you have here and continue on to your hips. This is a place where many of us often hold tension. So take a moment here as you breathe in to get present with how you're feeling in your body and in your hips, especially at this moment. If you're holding tension or you feel discomfort, take this moment to adjust or release. And remember, you are not here to fulfill any expectations of how this meditation should look. You are simply here to be present in your body. So if that means wiggling around a little bit on your hips, to get into a place that feels more comfortable, do it. If it means releasing tension in any other way that feels good to you, do it. Release your expectations of how this should look and allow yourself to simply be present and experience what you're feeling right now in your body. Move your attention now down to your legs the thighs in particular, and notice if you're holding any tension here. If you feel like you're tense or uncomfortable in any way here, allow yourself to resituate and release until you feel a change. You do not have to remain perfectly still. You are allowed to move your body in ways that feel right to you right now. Move your attention down to your knees. If you're feeling any discomfort or tension here, again, do whatever you need to create a change in that sensation if you can. If you can't, that's okay. And you can simply be present with it. We don't need to expect anything from your body. You don't need to expect a change. You don't need to expect yourself to remain perfectly still. All you need is to simply be in your body right now. Noticing and feeling. Move your attention down to the bottom of your legs now. Your calves, ankles, and feet. 
Feel if you're holding any tension or discomfort here. And again, allow yourself to do whatever it is that your body thinks would feel good. Maybe that's rotating your ankles or wiggling your toes a little bit. Maybe you shift your angle or maybe you stay exactly where you are. But whatever it is, feel free to move or to stay where you are. Simply noticing the sensations in your body. Now that we've scanned the sensations in your body, take a moment to call to mind what expectations you have for the time after this meditation. Whatever you're doing after you listen to this doesn't really matter. I just want you to bring to mind any expectations you have for what will happen after this meditation. Maybe you have plans, or maybe you don't. Maybe there's something you're looking forward to, or something that you're resisting. Whatever it is, just bring to mind the expectations you have for the time following this meditation. And in the same way that you let go of expectations as you were scanning down your body, allow yourself to let go and relinquish your hold on these expectations for your day a little bit more with each breath. Just like in Christie's novel, we never know quite what to expect from the time that stretches before us. The more we can let go of expectations, the more possibilities we are able to see for ourselves. Poirot said, The impossible must be possible, in spite of appearances. Think about the way your day appears before you when you call it to your mind's eye. However you perceive the rest of the upcoming day, take this quote into mind, and with every breath, see if you can imagine another possibility. The impossible must be possible in spite of appearances. However your day appears to you, whether you feel positively, negatively, or neutral about the time to come, allow yourself to loosen your grip on any expectations that you have for that time. Allow yourself to let go a little more with each breath. And one more time, remind yourself that the impossible is possible in spite of appearances. And imagine the unexpected, the impossible, the surprising unfolding before you in ways that delight and amaze you. Life is full of surprises, and the more we allow ourselves to realize that, the more we can be present to enjoy the possibilities. 
As we come to the end of our meditation today, allow yourself to open your eyes and move around a little bit. Bring feeling back into your body. And with one final breath, allow yourself to let go of any expectations you're holding for the moments that follow. This is an invitation to the possibilities, to the surprises, to the unexpected. Thank you so very much for joining me for today's episode of Reditations about Murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie. I loved this book and I hope you do too. If you've read it, let me know what you thought. And if you haven't read it, go check it out. As always, special thanks to Josh Munt for the sound design and theme music that you heard in this episode. If you'd like to further support the podcast, you can subscribe and review, as I mentioned earlier in the episode. Plus, you can visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash reditations. To hear every episode of the podcast and sign up for updates, visit the website reditationspodcast.com. Again, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. If you liked it, share it with a friend. I wish you a week of unexpected delights. Happy reading, friends, and I'll see you next time.